The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. And sponsored by March Communications, connecting innovation and people. So this is Paul Holmes, uh, founder of The Homes Report, here on the Croisette in Cannes. Uh, where I am joined today by Jack Martin, the uh, global chair and CEO of Hilden Alton Strategies. Um, he's brought along his minder, Sam Lithgow, but uh, she doesn't have a mic, so <laughs> don't worry about her. Um, and Jack is a virgin here at Cannes. So I guess my first question should be, why have you never been here before and why is it the right time for you to be here now? Well, I am here now because of our uh, clients that are here, our employees that are here. There are some very specific things that I wanted to do while I was here, such as attend today our uh, presentation on our new offer in China and to participate in the interview of one of our clients. And also our teams that are here uh, this year um, I've been actively involved in what they've set up in London, and so I probably should have been in the past, but I guess it's just one of those things that I'm somebody that really needs a reason to be someplace, otherwise I fear about getting in the way. Okay, but I, I wonder um, primarily about the extent to which your presence here at a festival of creativity is a reflection maybe right. of the way that Hill and Knowlton has been transforming itself right. or right. that you've been transforming Hill yeah. and Knowlton over the last few years. Well, thank you for that. And it is a major reason uh, we've made, as you know, a major investment in creativity um, in both our London office and our New York offices. In London, we actually call it the Center for Creativity. And we began that a couple years ago and um, are now uh, today launching that in uh, China. And our intention is to expand that all over the world. Um, then in addition to that, um, because of our purchase three years ago of SJR, uh, we've got uh, wonderful content uh, capabilities now that we're also doing globally. So. The way we're headed in the future of the industry, I think innovation and creativity are two critical things that uh, we've tried to stress. And so this festival fits that business agenda quite well. It's, it's an interesting topic because I, w I would make the case that going back to your days at Public Strategies, mm -hmm. you were always creative, right? right. That, that the public affairs realm right. But the definition of creativity yeah. in the public affairs realm is yeah. not necessarily the same definition of creativity no. that you'd find at Cannes. I always think that yeah. you know the, the classic PR creativity right. is about elegant problem solving. Right. right. And I'm wondering how those two things are, whether they're still separate, whether they're converging, how you see yeah. you know Hill and Alton's future in that regard. Well, it's a transition that I've worked on, and it, frankly, at times struggle with because coming from a what was viewed initially as a public affairs firm, uh, by the time we sold to WPP, we really were a business advisory firm where we were advising companies on most of their interactions with the public. So today, um, I think most of our clients understand what I've 
really focused on for many years, which is the need to include the public in everything you do. The public affairs model that we started at Public Strategies uh, has now been copied all over the world, and we really did that. And I think now at Hill and Knowlton, what I'm seeing is the next generation of that, where we're telling our clients that there's really only one public. Public's not siloed. You may be siloed, but the public's not. Um, people want to trust in their brand and they want to feel like they're doing business with people that they can relate to. And that's not far off from where we started. You and I started talking about this 25 years ago. It's just it's on a much bigger stage. And I think companies now are keenly aware of the need to create, treat the public as their number one constituency, not just in silos as customers, but in the broadest sense. Uh, it, that that interests me because I think, you know, one of the things that, that I wonder about is whether the background that you have in sort of public affairs and issues-driven communications uh, gives you either a perspective or an advantage that other agencies, other kinds of agencies might not have. We've seen a number of brands um, trip themselves up with creativity that mm -hmm. was politically insensitive. I certainly right. wouldn't want to mention Pepsi by name, right. but there are you know numerous examples. We've seen companies sort of either wade into or drift into the political dialogue yeah. over the last year yeah. or so, or be dragged into the political right. dialogue. And it seems to me more and more that the political and the consumer are coming together. Yeah. And do you feel like that's something that you're set up to take advantage of? Well, I, I, I hate to think that we take advantage of something like that, but I think we're set up to give wisdom to our clients on that, and I think you're making an excellent point. I think that there is a great deal of, of partisanship all over the world now in the public, and they're looking at things uh, through a different lens. I think if you're a company, I, I tell our corporate clients today the same thing I used to tell our public affairs clients, which is you, you, you're in dangerous waters if you decide to start playing politics as a company. Uh, that was true in the public affairs era. If you got outside of your particular issue when you were in a public affairs campaign, uh, usually you lost votes. Today, the same is true. If I think that what should be leading, and is in most cases, are your own values as a company, your own values as employees, and how you want people to view your product, your employees, and your company. I think if you stick to that, it's better to stay out of some of the uh, political dialogue that uh, companies are, are frankly, uh, in some cases, getting drug into, or, or, you know, there's a great notion right now, I think, that we have to all, all over the world, pontificate on what's going on with the government of the day in each country. And I think the key word there is the government of the day. And so I think a long-term strategy, you need to be true to yourself. Okay. There, is a, there is a sense today that people that people want companies to stand for something, yes. that they want companies to, more than just quarterly profits. Yes. Or, yes. And, and I, I wonder sort of how you integrate that in with, without, you know, that once you stand for something, there are gonna be some people who disagree with what you stand for. Oh, I think that's absolutely, people want companies to stand for something, and I think equally important, their employees want them to stand for something. 
so I think in areas like the environment or in areas in, uh, uh, like uh, helping others or areas such as uh, education, I think those are areas that a lot of companies are doing quite a good job at uh, because th th they, they feel that. I think, though, um, you just have to be cautious about it. it. The bottom line is you need to decide what your agenda is, what you believe, and what your core mission is and stick to that. Right. And one of the things about the, the competition here is that it tends to recognize, perhaps disproportionately, um, companies that wade into social issues. The big yeah. winner last night was the Fearless Girl statue, right, right. for example, which was you know, clearly a company taking a stand. Well, and we won last year with, with a great client that uh, uh, took advantage of that. And, um, and, but I think there's a line that you have to be careful not to cross. Right. Now, you mentioned earlier your, your focus here, a lot of your focus here is on the new China work that you're doing. Tell me a little bit about what that entails and how China is different on some of the things that we've been talking about, creativity and issues right. and, and, and purpose, well, uh, than the Anglo-Saxon markets. We've always had a great business in China. In fact, uh, Hill & Knowlton, which is now 90 years old, was the first uh, firm to enter China in 1984. Uh, so we have a foundation to go on. What we discovered, though, when we launched the Creativity Center in London, that it was transferable. So China clients began to start uh, wanting that kind of wisdom, and our China teams began adding that. So what we've done in China is uh, taken the position that we're now going to build out what we call a hive in China, uh, to do all that for China, for ch clients in China, and a major emphasis for us is that Chinese companies that want to go international. Right. Because um, I think we, with our global reach and our uh, wisdom on, on creativity, and I think that's a plus we can add. Right. I mean, I just I just sat f in right. your session uh, with Huawei. Right. Um, and. Um, it seems to me that um, almost uniquely among the big Chinese companies, they have a very global mindset. They are ready to sort of, I, I, I hate military metaphors, so I won't say march into the West and, yeah. and take yeah. over. Um, but they clearly have ambitions and they have a story to tell and they're very thoughtful in their process. Yeah. Is that something that you would expect to see a huge uptick in over the next few years? Yeah, and are Chinese companies ready? It's a great company and they've got um, uh, global ambitions and they've done quite well as they've gone global and they've got a great story to tell. So, But I think what you heard in that session today, they want to do it in a smart way and they want to do it um, in a way that fits the culture of the countries they wish to do business yeah. in and I think they've, they've spent an incredible amount of time getting that right. And they spoke a lot about um, co-creation with the agency which must be music to your ears, oh, sure. right? Yeah. I mean, uh, is, is that something that you're seeing more and more from companies, not just Chinese companies, yeah. but clients in general? Well, it is. And, you know, for somebody that espouses the idea that we ought to be in the wisdom business and that we should offer innovation, the notion that a, a, a lot of our clients are turning to us um, um, for that wisdom, you're, you're, I'm going to say something now that you, you're probably sick of me talking about, but it's my fifth seat, uh, and that is that in a major company, uh, there's automatically a law firm, a banker's, an accounting firm, a management consulting firm, and 
oftentimes they come up with a great idea and they walk out in the street and basically get hit by a bus. Uh, the fifth seat idea is that of equal importance should be the public. And sometimes people in the company hold that seat, uh, like Beth Comstock is a, a legendary in her excellence in that regard. Um, and then other times an agency does that. Oftentimes it's a partnership. I, I may be the only person who doesn't get sick of you saying that because <laughs> yeah. that's so in line yeah. with my yeah. own thinking about where yeah. we need yeah. to go. Yeah. Um, one, one last question. The last, um, the last couple of quarters we've seen a much better performance from the WPP public relations and public affairs sector generally and um, Hill and Alton has been a part of that. Do you feel like with all the stuff we're talking about, content yes. and the, the Chinese business and all the other stuff that a, turn, a corner has been turned and that the future is bright for uh, your agency? And I'm really proud of what the people at Hill and Alton have done. It's I, I'm privileged to lead it but it's really the whole group. The dynamic now is that uh, our growth engines, there's no secret of this, our SJR, which has now gone global, uh, London, which has uh, gone uh, at least into Asia and will probably continue by expanding into Europe. Uh, those have been huge factors for us and I think people feel that excitement. Last year was one of the best years we ever had. So far this year we're on track to do the same thing again. Uh, so I think that this spirit of um, taking a fresh look at things, we're also paying less attention to geographies and less attention to layers of bureaucracy and increasingly focusing more and more on doing client work and doing it simpler and doing it better. We, the key thing about us is talent. Um, in a company like this, all your assets walk in and out the door every day. And so we've invested a lot of time and talent and training uh, in encouraging the entrepreneurial activities like Alex at uh, SJR and Richard in London. And uh, I'm really proud of the fact that we just hired a chief talent officer about three months ago who came to us from McKinsey. And we're not gonna try to become McKinsey. In fact, it looks like they're trying to become us. Uh, but we like that discipline that comes with a consulting footprint like that, that uh, comes along with somebody with that skill set. Well, it looks like it's all paying off. I'm going yeah. um, to wrap this up partly Thank because you. I think we both had a pretty long day, yeah. partly because it's getting to that time where can translates from all business yeah. to being yeah. a bit more of a party town and the yeah. uh, ambient noise is going to get distracting. Right. Thank you very much, Thank Jack. You. I My really pleasure. appreciate it. It's always, it. It's always great. great. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to The Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Sponsored by March Communications, connecting innovation and people.